And joining us for a further analysis on what's playing itself out on that market scene is Mohammed Bagley from Saxton Wealth. Mohammed, always a pleasure and a good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to, to, to yourself and your viewers as well, Melisandre. All right, Mohammed, red screens all around. Uh, didn't expect this, uh, specifically as we come off the high of November and we were still trying to figure out what we're doing in December. But today uh, seems to be a bit of a downer. Yeah, definitely so. Uh, I think yesterday we were actually marginally up. Um, but I think much like the Joburg weather that we're seeing, it's kind of all over the place, you know, really hot one day, cold the next, you know, and that's really what we've been seeing uh, on the local market as well. You know, you, you mentioned it earlier, we had quite a good November, uh, so we were coming off high bases, but you know, these no these losses aren't actually that pronounced. As you mentioned, it was about 0.4% down today, so it's not, uh, I suppose it's not the most massive loss. I think everybody's kind of keeping an eye out for what the various reserve banks are going to say in their final meetings of the year, so I think that's really what's pushing markets so pretty much uh, going nowhere slowly you know past couple of days i'll tell you mohammed if we're on a, a central bank watch in 2024 i'll be absolutely devastated i want to speak about the rand uh, the rand is actually a very close to the 19 mark we have seen it as strengthen a little bit but actually it's just not uh, faring as strong as i thought it would would considering that we are uh, possibly looking at interest rates the interest rate conversation in the united states are changing a little bit let's talk about this currency um and what's driving uh, this downbeat performance yeah, so, so I suppose like with, you know, your previous question, this comes back to November, you know, around halfway through November, we were at 18 Rand 19, that's one nine cents uh, on the dollar. And, you know, the market really ran over the course of November. Currently, we're close to 19 Rand, as you mentioned. And from my view, what I think has happened here is that, you know, we saw that nice rally in November. And I think since then, investors may have been taking a little bit of profit, you know, in anticipation of, you know, what these reserve banks are going to say, you know, and unfortunately, you know, under. I think we will be talking about reserve banks in in 2024 now the narrative as you as you will well know is you know higher for longer how high are these how long are these rates going to stay high for you know the view is that perhaps we might be lucky see some respite in in march maybe we'll get some cuts then i think it could be a little bit later there uh, but that's really what's going to be dominating markets you know um so yeah uh, as i mentioned if the rate cuts come a little bit earlier i think we should see a bit of an improvement in risk sentiments which should bode well for uh, I guess the RAND strength but really dollar weakness. Let's talk about oil now. Uh, Brent is trading at $74.82 a barrel. Haven't seen uh, these levels in quite a while, Mohammed. Not sure what to make of it. I mean, also, if it's also temporary, uh, you know, nobody should uh, possibly be comfortable with seeing the oil price around uh, this range. Yeah, so... so I think for the time being, it could be transitory, but there, there are a few sort of factors that are, or catalysts rather, that are quite important. You know, what we're seeing is a bit of a slowdown in the U.S. economy. We're seeing a, a bit more of a pronounced slowdown in the Chinese economy, and that's overall sort of contributing to a weakening demand for oil. Now, OPEC has been trying to keep the price high by reducing production, but it hasn't been enough to actually offset this demand. Um, that being said, I'm kind of hoping it does stay this way, just from a purely selfish perspective, um, because if I'm not mistaken, we got a petrol cut just yesterday. I think the diesel drivers would have been substantially happier. I think they got uh, over a two rand cut. But this might mean that we might be in line for another fuel cut uh, in January. 
and everyone's coming home from their holidays. But yes, to, to answer your question, um, I, I don't necessarily think that this is a transitory thing. We do need to see certain catalysts come in before we'll see movement again in this or, or more pronounced movement again in this regard. Totally agree with you. Selfishly hoping we see these levels for uh, much longer. Let's talk about China now. Uh, their exports unexpectedly ticked higher in November, but imports fell slightly. Not sure what to make of this. Uh, of course, it could be just demand uh, globally for Chinese products after, uh, you know, uh, them being closed or for lockdown. Uh, but also with imports, it means that maybe production uh, isn't where it should be. Yeah, I, I think you actually hit the nail on the head there with sort of all of your comments, really. Um, number one, we are coming off very low bases here. So these these numbers should definitely not be looked at in isolation. And I think what we're really looking for here is a sign that the Chinese economy is sort of bottoming out. From my view, even though the export numbers came in better than expected, um, that is not the case as it stands. What you'll see is, yes, U.S. shipment numbers uh, saw a slight uptick. But what we saw was that you, the, the EU export numbers fell about 14.5%. So while those export numbers did increase, I mentioned they were coming of a low base and the worse than expected fall in imports could actually suggest a weakening demand environment and in my mind that indicates that we actually still haven't seen the Chinese economy bottom out so while I suppose if you look at the numbers in isolation it may have appeared to be positive in practice we're still seeing quite a bit of turmoil there in my mind this I suppose this represents not much of a change from what we had already been seeing in previous months well, so yeah, watch, not good news. We'll be watching this one very, very closely. Uh, Mohammed. let's talk about uh, Google and uh, Gemini. It's a very interesting development because what we know from tech, uh, if I think of uh, MySpace and uh, Facebook, first on the scene isn't always best on the scene. Uh, but we know, So we know that Google has been a little bit slow with their AI offering. But uh, Gemini is here. I'm keen to get your thoughts on this development for them and what it might do for Alphabet as a counter. Yeah, so, so it's, a, it's an interesting one. I think um, many people would probably be familiar with BARD, which they released earlier in the year. Now, Google has said, look, that was just an experiment. I think what you guys will remember was that BARD actually provided the wrong answer when it was prompted a question about space. Uh, Google came out and said, listen, that was just sort of experimental. This Gemini is our flagship AI model, and it's uh, as it stands, in their view, it is the most capable AI model yet. So I watched um, the video that the CEO Sundar Pichai put out yesterday and he said he was just communicating with the AI and I must say it was fascinating you I would recommend everyone checking it out but essentially you know the man's not an artist so it wasn't the most well well drawn duck but mm -hmm. the AI recognized the duck and even commented that it thought it was odd that his duck was was blue you know so it's very conversational and if I remember correctly it even made a joke not not a good one I think it said uh, what the quack when um, <laughs> Sundar had uh, colored the duck in blue so mm -hmm. look I, I don't think Gemini is going to be winning any awards for its stand-up comedy anytime <laughs> soon but I got to say I was very impressed with the tech and I, I can't wait to try it out but just coming back to what you said earlier you know um, um, it's so difficult with new technologies. You, know, you don't really want to pick the first mover, you know, because that, that isn't necessarily an indication of who's actually going to win this race. You know, we've got um, OpenAI coming out with a new version of ChatGPT next year. They've said that's going to be the best one yet. Elon Musk, we know, is hard at work with XAI. They could also be a factor. What we do know is that the tech is here to stay. We just don't know who's going to be at the forefront just yet. My view is you want to get some diversified exposure here. You you know, if you can't pick the winner, you pick a company that's operating sort of across the AI spectrum. Um, so that's probably how I would play that uh, field for the time being.
very interesting times ahead. Mohammed, keen to get your stock pick, but first let's start off by looking at counters that have found favor with your industry peers. I'm going for property company Growth Point. Uh, I've read now in on many companies, many, many property companies, when they come out with their results now, the worst seems over for the industry. Office vacancies, even though they're still high, are actually going down. Uh, negative rental reversions, in other words, when, the, when you sign a new lease, your actual price per square meter comes down, that negative reversion is still negative, but it's significantly less than what it was. Overall vacancies, you know, are, are down, and you're getting half decent rental escalation in your new leases that you're signing. You're getting five, six percent rental escalations. And I mean, Growth Point in particular, I'm only choosing Growth Point because it's the biggest and probably the most well diversified, but you're getting a 12% starting dividend yield. I know you pay tax on it. But that just seems like reasonably good value to me in an industry that's maybe over the worst. My stock pick tonight is Life Healthcare Group. Um, they have announced the sale of AMG that should be wrapped up early next year. And with that cash in the bank, uh, Shell is looking forward to a special dividend of between four rand and five rand a share. That was expected. And what you're then left with is a South African hospital group and Let's, let's be honest, the South African hospital industry isn't too exciting and Life Healthcare hasn't really shown positive operating gearing, so that's a bit disappointing. But the other part of the business that you'll get is also Life Molecular Imaging, where they sell um, what is called a tracer, a radioactive agent that assists in when um, scans are done, specifically in the US through new technology for Alzheimer's and a new um, drug that is being used for Alzheimer's in the US. So the expectation is that LMI will grow strongly in the next two to three years, while the SA hospital business will at least be stable. And notwithstanding NHI, and I see it's been passed through the National mm. um, um, Council, uh, Council provinces. of Provinces tonight, um, you know, it's not quite as bad for hospital groups as it is for insurers, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of legal challenges as well. So life healthcare is not too badly placed in South Africa with a hospital service, plus the upside from LMI, plus a special dividend on its way. So that's my stock pick tonight. So I'm picking Mondi. Um, it has had a nice recovery off its lows, but it's still relatively cheap relative to its history. It's very well placed to benefit from a recovery in the European and the global growth outlook over the next 9, 12, 18 months. If we see a turning in the rate cycle, which it looks like we are seeing, uh, and we're going to subsequently see a nice recovery. You know, as an investor, you need to look through the short-term noise. And I think Bondi is very well placed to be a beneficiary of that longer-term uh, improvement in the global growth cycle. All right, Mohamed Keynes, get your thoughts on those uh, growth points, uh, life healthcare and Bondi. In interesting picks. Um, so, so I'll start with growth points. I think that was the first one that the, um, the sort of analysts had covered. Um, yeah, this one's quite interesting. You know, if I if I look at month to date, they've they've actually done about twelve percent. You know, and he made mention of it looks like the worst is over, and I think there's actually merit to be had there. Um, you know, he also made mention of office vacancies sort of declining progressively. Uh, you know, people sort of coming back to offices uh, will stand to benefit them as well. Um, this is one that I quite like. Just I was a bit worried from a timing perspective, but I think there's quite a bit of merit to what the gentleman said. This looks very attractive, I've got to say. 
Um, and then let's move on to, I think it was Life Healthcare was the second one. Um, yeah, so this is a bit of an interesting one. I, I couldn't agree more with what the gentleman said in terms of sort of the, the growth coming from the US and the sort of life molecular imaging, the tracer that they sell over there. And, you know, it's used for Alzheimer's, which is, you know, un unfortunately very pervasive. And that represents, you know, quite, quite a good growth prospect there. So I think that's quite interesting, uh, definitely worth looking into. And uh yeah, very curious about it personally. It's not one that I follow super closely, but I can't can't fault the logic there. Genuinely, sounds good. Um, and then the last one that you guys mentioned, or what the analyst mentioned over there, was Mondi. Uh, this is one that I quite like. Genuinely, um, it's got most of its exposure sort of outside of South Africa, so it's not really exposed to uh, to us. And I got to agree with what he said in terms of you know if the global growth outlook plays out the way that we think it will, uh, they'll be in quite a good stead. You know, and one has to remember that Mondi is actually coming off low basis. They, they had been impacted by the Russian invasion into Ukraine. So it's been a sort of turbulent past couple of years. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that that, you know, improved growth outlook, especially globally, is going to uh, positively impact them. So, so uh, long story short, uh, I like all three of these picks. Now, we don't have much time left, Mohammed, but I'm keen to get uh, which counter you're going with this afternoon. Okay, so this week I'm going to go with something slightly different. I'm going with Constellation Software. So it's not different uh, in that it, it isn't tech. It is very much a software company. They're a Canadian company headquartered in Toronto. But, you know, as you can imagine, uh, they've got operations all around the world. Now, essentially what they do is they specialize in acquiring small software companies that service specific or vertical markets. So, so it's not the sort of uh, company that will buy a company that is sort of... Uh, applicable across a range of industries it's very sort of well defined it's very niche you know and what they do is they grow these uh, businesses and then they have these businesses synergized with already existing businesses within their sort of suite of, of companies uh, they don't ever look at selling these companies on they really are sort of investments and i don't think they've ever actually sold the company mm -hmm. uh, rather they integrate them and then have them benefit from the synergies throughout other businesses in addition to that the company's got great cash flows their comp their customers their clients love them they've got a massively high retention rates and business relationships last uh, i think for over 20 years on average now the company's done already about 50 percent this year and since listing in 95 they're actually one of the best performing shares just in in general i think we're talking about 17 and a half thousand percent since 95 you know which is which is a, a very challenging track track record to keep up with you know but the the management team there is is excellent in my opinion and you know this is a type of uh, share that's always going to be you know expensively valued and it is a big ticket share as well you know it'll cost you about 3250 canadian dollars for one share mm -hmm. uh, but i've got to say i back the management team and i suppose the bet here is that this acquisitive strategy that they have will continue to pay off as it has been and uh, yeah that's the play that i'm going with constellation software wonderful mohammed always a pleasure having you uh, thank you so much for your time this afternoon that was mohammed bagley from sasfin wealth